This is Local Switchboard NYC, a women-led audio collective. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jordan Gosporé. We're here to bring you news on a human scale. News that reminds us that big stories often start small. News that keeps us connected. Local Switchboard's Betsy Lakin, in conversation with local theater director Adrian Campbell-Holt, on the resiliency of the city's performing arts community. Over 100 people easily were, were employed on this project. And now we're hoping to return to Bucks County Playhouse and do it. We do have dates set for a fall production at Delaware Theater Company, which is very exciting. And as we prepare for a new presidential administration beginning January 20th, we remember the day we heard the news Joe Biden had been elected president. That day, the sound of political change was in the air, and it was loud. We end the show with the news from the neighborhoods. That's all coming up on Local Switchboard NYC. As the news of Joe Biden's election broke over New York City, local switchboard's Sarah Montague documented the colorfully historic day by weaving together joyous vignettes of the honking and singing and shouts of glee that could be heard almost everywhere. At Local Switchboard NYC, we cherish the distinct character of our different neighborhoods, and usually we try to bring you a varied slice of each. But on Saturday, November 7th, when it was announced that Joe Biden had succeeded in winning the presidency, there was only one neighborhood sound, jubilation. From every corner, rooftop, restaurant, and street came clanging, banging, hooting, honking, and shouting. People held aloft Biden-Harris signs, American flags, now that they're great again, and inflatable champagne bottle balloons. Cues to pick up the real thing crowded the street in front of local liquor stores, and every table of every open-air restaurant was taken. Nira Bernstein is a filmmaker living in the East Village. Suddenly we hear cheering outside. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And like, sure enough, we check our phones and Pennsylvania went to, to Biden. Such a scene outside is like, it feels like a different place right now. Like this like weight has been lifted off of New York, you know, like grannies like honking their cars, like driving down the streets. Those horn-tooting grannies weren't the only ones to push their limits. At my local butcher, an elegant woman collected her pork chops and announced, we fucking did it. On Christopher Street, opposite Stonewall Park, someone was blasting Ray Charles' powerful rendition of America the Beautiful. Giddy millennials, the vote that was most in question, shrieked, have you heard the good news? 
And next to the monster, people were taking selfies with a huge poster, hand-lettered in red ink, that begins, Fired, you vile, hateful, democracy-strangling loser, among many other inventive adjectives, and ends, We will heal, you will disappear. What this reminds me of is accounts of the legendary Rolling Stones concert in Prague in August 1990. It was to celebrate the election of dissident and playwright Václav Havel to the Czech presidency, but more importantly, to celebrate the fall of the communist regime that had crushed its citizens for decades. So what we have been hearing is as much, if not more, a celebration of the end of the presidency of Donald Trump. Perhaps New York needs Mick to sing Satisfaction. For Local Switchboard NYC, I'm Sarah Montague. Adrian Campbell-Holt, who runs Brooklyn-based theater company Cold Core and was the recipient of the 2018 Musilor Televisionary Director Award, spoke about how she envisions the future sustainability of New York City theater. I'm Adrienne Campbell-Holt. I'm the founding artistic director of Colt Corps, and I also work as a freelance director in New York and around the country, mostly doing new plays and new musicals. So I develop projects from scratch with playwrights and composers and, and book writers and sort of shepherd them from the early stages all the way through production. So it's a wonderful job, and it's a, it's a really tough time. Obviously, the pandemic is affecting everyone, but it does feel like it's hitting us in the arts particularly uh, horribly. Uh, I had just concluded a four-week rehearsal process and two weeks of tech. Uh, March 13th was meant to be the first preview for a new musical called Other World that was uh, set to go up at Bucks County Playhouse. When, when we got shut down. The writers have been working on it for seven years. I've been involved for two years, and this was our first big production, cast of 22, um, you know, like hundreds of costumes. So over 100 people easily were, were employed on this project. And now we're hoping to return to Bucks County Playhouse and do it. We do have dates set for a fall production at Delaware Theater Company, which is very exciting. And then Colt Corps was actually, the, the week following the shutdown, was supposed to start rehearsals on our 13th world premiere, a show called Polylogs, um, that was going to have a run at Rattlestick Playwright Theater in the West Village. You know, as a director, I am lucky that I'm able to continue to develop sort of especially projects that are early stages or that have lots of collaborators, you know, we, we do have this luxury of time and, and fewer commitments than usual, so continuing to, to do script development and continue the design process. But as the reopening date gets pushed back further and farther, it's, it does feel increasingly abstract. And, you know, we, we came into this work because we love gathering in a room, and that's a communal, special thing mm -hmm. that happens. So we're, we're all definitely missing and, and longing for that. And you think that the theater in New York will be able to bounce back? You know, economically, I, I, I know that it will be an incredibly long road. And I see mm -hmm. how sort of how much imbalance there is in commercial theater and in yeah. uh, how, you know, looking at 
who makes up the audiences and who can afford tickets to, to Broadway shows um, and even off-Broadway shows um, at large institutions, that feels like not the way forward. I think, you know, I'm hoping with a new administration and a lot of political change ahead that there's an investment in the arts that feels more reflective of the contribution that the arts makes to local economies. I'm hopeful that all of the best parts of this will remain. I would characterize the best parts as the enhanced accessibility, the sort of availability of theater, of incredible, like world-class theater from people's homes for free or for $5 feels like something we want to hold on to. And certainly, you know, there's such a variety of people having different access needs. I was an urban studies major, and when I read Sharon Zukin's book and learned about the symbolic economy and, and sort of the cultural capital that, that art brings, and I, I think at, at that point, the return on an investment in the art is like $7 um, to one. So it certainly works better in countries where there's a different kind of investment in in the arts, I I would love to see that kind of change. I think that would make for a richer and more representative both artist pool and audience pool. It would democratize those that work, and that feels really like the way that we're we're all moving. And and certainly the tide of young people is uh, understands that does feel like budgets are more rigid than we'd like them to be. And so, you know, making that change happen at the goal state, you know, national level, it's not easy. So I, I, I applaud the, the people who are, who are doing that work. Um, but I think there's, there's a lot to be learned from even just the recovery, sort of the relief package that the, that the British theater was, you know, given will, allow those theaters to remain solvent and exist and, and continue to do work and continue to employ, you know, many thousands of people. And I don't know how that will happen in New York. Certainly, you know, there's great inequality in terms of whom a career in the arts is, is viable. And, you know, the 15 years I spent doing five other jobs while I was building my directing career, that's not possible for many people. And that shouldn't be the only way to, to work in the theater or in the arts. You should, you know, have to have multiple day jobs in order to, to do your passion, especially if you're several years in. <laughs> and I think also many Broadway producers I've felt have been more sort of silent than I would have expected. I think we need leadership and we need lobbying in a way that's not just from the actors and from the, the people who are sort of feeling disenfranchised right now. I think I've been inspired by some of the producers and entertainment leaders in the UK, like the producer Sonia Friedman, like the director Sam Mendes, like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who have been in the trenches in the theater, but also experienced great acclaim and success and probably financial success and really understand that theater is a pipeline for Hollywood TV shows, movies, all of it. And at this point, people are streaming a lot. So I would love to see more stepping up from Amazon and Netflix 
to pay it forward to the theater industry who've really provided so much talent to them over the years. That was Adrian Campbell-Holt, Artistic Director of Colt Core Theater in Brooklyn, and I'm Betsy Lakin with Local Switchboard NYC. Each week, we bring you news from our neighborhoods. It was New York City's first snowstorm of the COVID-19 pandemic. Close to a foot of snow dropped on parts of the five boroughs and transformed the city into a winter wonderland. Here are some of the sounds of its aftermath in Long Island City, Queens. Local switchboard's Sarah Montague now takes us across the river to the West Village. I live opposite the Stonewall National Park, a monument to a unique coincidence of flagrance and activism at the time of the 1969 Stonewall riots. So it seems fitting that at weekends it is possible to witness two conjoined events that reflect that tradition. The Bated Breath Theatre Company has created an imaginative outdoor performance experience called Voyeur, the windows of Toulouse-Lautrec. It turns Greenwich Village into Lautrec's founder's death Paris and tells the story in puppetry, mime, and window-framed scenes of his debauched life and interaction with the city's courtesans. Haunting music precedes the event, which takes a COVID-limited audience on a walk in which the past and the present coincide. On Thursdays, you would not be able to hear the Chopin or the Satie because the street is filled with angry Black Lives Matter protesters. Speeches alternate with music and call and response affirmations. Both events celebrate society's discards, and each one reminds us that both beauty and freedom come at a cost. For Local Switchboard NYC, this is Sarah Montague. I'm Jordan Gosporé, and you've been listening to Local Switchboard NYC. Our team is host, me, Jordan Gosporé, and reporters Sarah Montague, Betsy Lakin, Heather Chin. You're part of our neighborhood now. So if there's a local story you think is important, let us know at localswitchboardnyc at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>